I do like being right. <laughs> Ask my ex-husband. Happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Boris Dirk podcast. If you pick the Celtics and haven't watched the succession finale yet, get the fuck off this podcast. This isn't for you. All right. <laughs> Either you pick the heat, you get you get what I'm saying. Max, how are you? I'm good. Uh, if you told me three months ago that the fate of the Eastern Conference would come down to a Derek White versus Caleb Martin duel, I wouldn't have believed you. But here we are. And Caleb Martin came out victorious. How much would you pay Caleb Martin annually? I mean, I'd pay him more than I'd pay Josh Hart. Um, and I'm willing to give Josh Hart 12 to 15 million a year. So Caleb might be getting closer to 18 to 20, honestly. Like what he's done in these playoffs, both, I feel like it really started in the Knicks series. He had some big shots in the Milwaukee series too. But in the Knicks series, he was one of the Heat's two best players. And then in this Boston series, he's just been incredible throughout like he when they were giving out the eastern conference mvp trophy i had a real moment of suspense where i was like will they give it to caleb but if it's close yeah. they always give it to the best player but he's really like he's the biggest difference between and with their team from this year versus last year is how he's sort of stepped into that secondary scorer role for them three-point shooting ebbs and flows but these games are won in the trenches these games are won. These series are won emotionally. The best teams find ways to score inside the three-point arc. I mean, Chuck said it like seven times today that I think he used the phrase jacking threes, which was yeah. perfect. The Celtics were living and dying by the three, and it just didn't come. And, you know, they they shot cold in game six and somehow pulled it out of their asses with the Derek White putback. And so, you know, everyone, Vegas, ESPN Analytics, it looked like, you know, the Celtics should be heavily favored in game seven. None of that shit matters because you can't you can't bank on three point shooting. What you can bank on is that Jimmy Butler will never, never settle for a three. What you can bank on is that Bam will be one of the best defenders on the floor in any series. Mm -hmm. uh, what you can bet on is Gabe Vincent is not scared to step into a three when his team needs him too late in a shot clock. Yeah. I mean, the Caleb Martin shot creation tonight was pretty absurd. The yeah. way the way that he, this seven million dollar man was able to keep his dribble alive, make things happen on the baseline, we're just at a point now where you expect all of his open threes to go in. Um, yeah, open mid range, everything. Yeah, as as Bill Simmons disciples, haters, lovers, sons—I don't know what you'd call us at this point. We've heard all of the stuff about Jalen Brown, the who can't dribble, the best wing ever who can't dribble. Tonight felt like the culmination of his dribbling struggles it was really it yeah. got really dark for a second it was a it yeah. was a tough series for Jalen Brown um those first few games especially he was like I mean 48 percent from the field in game one 30 percent in game two at seven of 23 six of 17 in game three and then he bounced back in the last few games um especially games five and six but tonight he was back to eight of 23 Tatum rolled his ankle early. That's, you know, going to be a big story coming out of this game and soldiered through it as best he could. But when they really needed Jalen to step up in, in Tatum's absence, it, he just wasn't quite up to it. Uh, Miami, honestly, all series did a pretty good job of, of shutting down his offense and forcing him into uncomfortable situations, eight turnovers tonight. That's 
a really high number for, especially for someone who's, I guess he kind of turned into the primary ball handler for them, but yeah, honestly, like, you know, Butler was, didn't even have an insane kind of playoff Jimmy sort of game. Um, I thought particularly in the first half, he, he honestly seemed to be picking his spots a little bit and then started to apply the clamps a little bit more in the second half. Um, Bam didn't have a great offensive game either though on defense, he's, he was good as always, but on offense, he was missing most of his little mid range jumpers. He normally hits, he missed a little duck in against Derek white kind of late in the game, which you'd like to see your center be able to make. And Miami was just able to sort of claw together enough points. And then on defense, you know, Spo is just going to try things that other teams won't try. He'll try a press that fades back into some sort of unorthodox matchup zone. He'll try different types of zones. He'll put different defenders on, on your primary scorers, send doubles at them sometimes, not sometimes just to kind of make them uncomfortable and keep them guessing. And Honestly, I I mean, I just can't get over sort of the mental fortitude of Miami to come back from from that loss in game six, which is about as close as you'll ever see a team be to making the finals and then not making the finals to be able to come back in this game seven and put forth such a dominant defensive effort and just enough offensively to win comfortably. There was a moment in the second quarter when Gabe Vincent hit kind of like a gut punch corner three. Gabe drains the three, Spoh's immediately screaming for the zone. It's an amorphous two, three. I don't even know what it is. It it seems to change shape every possession. But yeah, just the presence of mind of the Heat uh, over and over again. I was was also thinking with like two minutes left, when the game was over and the Heat were up 20, Bam and Lowry were barking at each other because they were mad about a wasted possession. And I was, and I was sitting there thinking if this was, if the score was flipped and the Celtics had been up 20, like Tatum would be dapping up his teammates. The celebration would have been on in Boston, but Miami is a bunch of psychopaths and they fully expected to go into Boston tonight. As Spo said, the men in the arena, you can just tell that Spo is a fucking maniac in the locker room. Oh, absolutely. He has that tortured Quinn Snyder look in his eye. And yeah, man, I, I'm going to pick the Nuggets like most of the world will, and I'll feel terrible doing it. I'll have to say like Nuggets in seven or something. But this is a Heat team that will just continue to ruin everyone's party. I, I hope they make me look really stupid again. Yeah. I mean, every or almost every one of their players will just make you pay for a mental lapse if you have one. And most teams have, you know, human beings on them who make mental lapses, whether it's forgetting a box out or losing a shooter for a second or whatnot, or turning your head and letting someone cut back door behind you. But the heat, just every single person on their team is so dialed in that whenever that mental lapse comes, they're always ready to jump on it. Even, you know, you'll see in the first quarter when a lot of teams are kind of feeling their way into games, everyone on the heat is, aggressively crashing the glass and Max Struess will be flying in trying to grab an offensive rebound and they just have a yeah a level of of dog and commitment and intensity and collective basketball IQ which um just really carries them in series where they have a talent disadvantage uh yeah we can talk about the potential Denver matchup in a second uh, I think what's really carried the heat through their Eastern Conference series thus far is they've had a severe IQ advantage in every like collective team IQ advantage in every series they've played. You know, Milwaukee, 
was, I mean, the Milwaukee series was weird because Giannis missed time, but Milwaukee's not the best execution team. They kind of brute force bludgeon teams to death when they're at their best. The Knicks had never been in the second round of the playoffs before. They didn't have sort of the level of experience to know the requisite level of execution and intensity that was needed to win those sorts of games. And then Boston, for all their talent, is is prone to lapses and can take their foot off the gas. And we saw it all year when they have, you know, when their backs are against the wall, they're a really good team. But when they feel like they have the advantage, they often take their foot off the gas, like we saw with the Lakers. Um, And that's one thing I'll be curious to see against Denver, because Denver is a smart team and they're a really good execution team, too. I don't know if that gap in collective basketball IQ will be as large in that series as it's been in the series leading up to it. I think that Jamal Murray is more of an alpha than anyone on Boston. Yes. And, and, and so I'm not, when I pick the nuggets, it will not be because they have more talent. It'll be because I think that there's as much dog in Murray and Jokic as there is in this heat bunch. Before we move on to the finals matchup, I just wanted to talk about the Celtics for a second. Yeah, because obviously there's about to be all of the dialogues, you know, where Jalen Brown um, is Tatum, Tatum, a true number one. Now, I consider myself a Tatum hater. OK, I don't think that his head has necessarily been in the right place. It would be unfair to judge his performance today because he was playing on a bum ankle and giving everything he could. Definitely some LeBron type body language mixed in there. Uh, and at a certain point, I was just wondering, like, Missoula, like, should Tatum still be in the game? Because. You've got Miami guys walking tall with the best posture in the league and Tatum's out here shrugging and grimacing. And, you know, even when Tatum was scoring tonight and like heading into timeouts, he just looked so unhappy. And I, and I was wondering just what that does to the energy on your bench. This is a, this was a crazy talent disparity. I think the Celtics have the deepest roster in the league. Malcolm Brogdon was playing on a bum ankle, a bum elbow. Uh, but the Celtics, the Celtics had no business losing this series. And so sure you win three in a row. That's wonderful. Uh, it's still a devastating end to a season in which they had a pretty clear path to the finals. Um, and, and, and pretty eerie that Jimmy said after game seven last year, that he'd be right back here. And he, he ended up almost wrong, then right. And more right than ever. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. blow up. I wouldn't blow up this Boston team. I, I like. I there's going to be a lot of blow it up rhetoric. I'm waiting for KOC to tweet it tonight. But the bottom line is, you know, they're just it seems they're in game sevens and comp in the conference finals every year, mm-hmm. and there are twenty something teams that would die to be in the position this franchise seems to find itself in year in year out. So yeah, I have doubts about Tatum as a number one guy, but with the talent they've been able to surround him with like i mean it goes without saying this team is good enough they, they they made it to game seven of the conference finals again yeah no it's wild three of the last four years eastern conference has ended with a game seven between boston and miami uh or no right yeah in 2020 in the bubble miami over boston 2021 was the year off with uh milwaukee and atlanta mm-hmm. yeah atlanta and the weird sixers the Ben Simmons game leading into the game seven choke leading into Atlanta, making the conference finals somehow. Um, Maybe, maybe one of the more unlikely conference finalists uh, and unrepeatable conference finalists you'll see. Um, 
but yeah, I agree. I think you, you have to keep it together. Tatum for, you know, whatever flaws he may have is a top eight to 10 player in the league. Jalen Brown's a top 14 to 22 player in the league, let's say. And on any given night, either one of them can be the best player on the court. Derek White is, you know, he was their best player in this game. He was their best player in a lot of games, these playoffs, and really brings a sort of uh, intelligence and connectiveness to their team, which if anything, if they want to improve on anything, that's where they could look to improve is to get more Derek White types who can kind of keep them out of their worst tendencies, whether it's taking the foot off the gas defensively or offensively getting a little bit more bogged down into sort of dribble heavy play, which leads them into turnovers because they don't have any really good ball handlers on their team. But yeah, I, I agree. They have the most talented one to seven, one to eight in the NBA. And if you're getting within, you know, a hair's breadth of the conference finals year after year after year. And, you know, last year, had a very good chance of winning the finals. They were a Curry explosion away from, from pulling it out last year. And uh, if he, if they'd yeah. been able to pull out game four. So I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know what to spot, make of this. Yeah. Miami the spot right that there. I look at is the Marcus smart spot. I know like that's, you know, that's obvious. That's good. That's what a lot of people will be saying. The Marcus smart, smart slot is where they really needed like a stabilizing point guard. I mean, it could have been Kyle Lowry. It could have been 48 year old Kyle Lowry. The Celtics needed somebody to control tempo, to be just a source of stability. And, uh, you know, they, they got they got pieces of that from Derek White. Like Derek White almost turned into their heady veteran point guard as this series progressed. But they still needed that. They needed a pure cerebral point guard. He doesn't even have to be a shooter. They have so much shooting on this team. Or I guess no shooting, as it turns out. But yeah. Um, it's the mark and Marcus Smart's wild passes, um, bad decisions in, in important spots. I love I love Marcus Smart, the competitor, and I think he's still a really good player who has value for a lot of teams in the league. But when you've got all of the wing depth, a centering point guard who can play alongside stars, doesn't need the ball, knows his place enough to not step outside of his game the way Marcus Smart will try to, um, you know, take the moment into his own hands. Uh, and may maybe that is the way that this team can get over the hump that they've seemed to be stuck behind. Well, um, just plug something into the trade machine. Uh, Marcus Smart and Danilo Gallinari for Chris Paul. Wow. it's It actually makes sense because it just, it made me think of like back in the day when like, the Celtics got Gary Payton at the end of his career. Yeah. We've seen things like, like when they got old Shaq, like just, I mean, they, they didn't win it all with old Shaq, but we have seen this organization bring in old vets who are past their prime, but still have a lot to give in the locker room and on the floor. Makes a little bit of sense. Honestly, all three of the top East teams this year who, you know, I would say all underachieved, like, I mean, Milwaukee obviously losing in the first round, though. I think they should probably feel a little bit better about themselves seeing how the rest of this Miami run panned out and not having had Giannis for two and a half of those games or even more. But them, Boston, and Philly all kind of miss that stabilizing presence to yeah. calm them down when 
things are starting to get out of hand. Philly's supposed to have that with Harden, but over and over again, when they get into high leverage situations, it seems like they get really tight and they just don't really know what to do with themselves. You know, whether it's Embiid not getting a touch for four minutes or Embiid getting a touch and shooting a bad shot or, or whatever it may be. And then in Milwaukee, you know, it's Giannis driving headlong into four defenders. And then in Boston, it's them doing what they did tonight with turnovers and yeah, sort of, and and just letting yeah. the series letting the series get to a point where you know Jason Tatum rolls his ankle on the first play of the game, and their your margin for error is already gone, and that's it. You know, the best teams put themselves in a position to even with be able to withstand their star player missing a couple quarters or missing a game in a series. Uh, Enough can't be said about how improbable this Miami run is like this was a team that standings wise, they were the seven seed in the Eastern conference. They were behind a team in Brooklyn who wasn't really trying to win the second half of the year after they traded um, Kyrie and KD and Don't, all year not, long. That's not what Spencer Dinwiddie said. I think Spencer, okay. Spencer kept the team afloat. He, he ran the offense. Right. Apologies to Spencer. Um, this is a team that just wasn't very good throughout the year. And even all the way into that first playing game, I'll never get that first playing game out of my mind and how Atlanta just bullied them Yeah, in, in, in a team. That's not a, like a physically tough team. Just the heat looked small. They looked like it was a bunch of guards and bam, and they couldn't get a rebound. And something with them clicked after that game where after Clint Capella got 20 offensive rebounds against them or whatever, they were able to scrap it together against Chicago. And then going up against a really big physical team in Milwaukee, were able to, you know, get out of that series from some Jimmy heroics. And since then, it hasn't really been Jimmy heroics. It's just been really good team basketball all the way through both the Knicks and Celtics series. Um, yeah. Like there hasn't been sort of really like 40 point, 50 point playoff Jimmy type of nights. Those were really all reserved for the Milwaukee series. You know, he's been around 25 to 30 and then it's just been, they, they got better at shooting because in the regular season, they were the worst playoff. They were the worst shooting team of all the teams in the playoff field. So that kind of snapped back to how they were last year with, in terms of three point shooting. And then it's, it's honestly, it's really hard to, imagine how how they got to this point with the team that they displayed for 82 games in the regular season i don't know any other team in the league that could bench a guy like duncan robinson the way that they did and bring him back in the most important moment of the season and he's just ready to go Mm -hmm. um, ready to hit big shots even ready to do things inside the three-point arc haywood highsmith the like the the couple minutes he gave them they've just found a way to get stuff from guys deep um, on the bench. And it's fucking crazy because Caleb Martin was better than Jalen Brown in this series and it wasn't close. And okay, let's, let's talk about Nuggets heat. Yeah. I, I think it goes without saying the heat cannot hang with the Nuggets size. And if then I think if the heat have any hope in this series, it's just like leaning into the small thing and saying, you know, bam at the five and then everyone else is small and can dribble play MPJ off the floor because MPJ has shown defensive flashes, but maybe he's just a little bit too big and too slow laterally um, to move with guys like Caleb, like Gabe Vincent. And maybe just maybe 
if, if they can keep shooting threes, they can they can make Jokic work. Like I said at the top, I'm gonna pick the Nuggets, but out of respect for Heat culture, I'll go Nuggets in seven. Um, I think that they're gonna overpower the Heat with their size, and uh, you know I don't think that the, the the Nuggets have a great answer for Jimmy. I think that he might be a little bit too quick for Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon tends to thrive with like guys a little bit bigger, um, more more forwardy, less guardy. Um, KCP did a really good job on LeBron at times, so maybe KCP will be the guy on on Jimmy. That's prop. That's the matchup, I guess we should expect. Jimmy looked gas tonight. Like Jimmy got, he was twelve for twenty eight. Uh, he ended up with really good, really good counting stats, but. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's a little bit burned out. We'll see if with 48 hours he can he can find something because it also feels like if the Heat are going to win the championship, they need to steal this game one in Denver. Yeah, just has that kind of feel to it. They yeah, they've got to get wins early because I think the longer the series goes on, Jokic will kind of wear them down. Um, yeah, what makes me worried for the Heat is I thought if there was anyone who'd be able to make Jokic work one-on-one and kind of give a defensive blueprint for making him work one-on-one and taking away everything else, it would be Anthony Davis and Jokic just mauled Anthony Davis to the point where after game one, they used him as a help defender instead of having him guard Jokic one-on-one. And Bam is even smaller than AD and, you know, he has all the heart in the world, but he's like 6'10", 6'11", and not close to Jokic's 280 pounds. Um, if that's a one-on-one matchup, I think, I think gonna... Bam is closer to six nine than six eleven. Exactly, and Jokic is going to put him in the basket um, every time if that's the the one-on-one matchup. So it's going to have to be a lot of help, a lot of zone. Maybe those sort of gimmicky, or I don't want to say gimmicky, but the sort of more unorthodox style defenses can trip Denver up in the beginning of series. But I think Jokic is just sort of on an IQ level so high right now that he'll be able to dissect all that stuff. Um, I think MPJ, it's possible he gets played off the floor, not just from sort of a mobility perspective, but from an IQ perspective. Um, You know, he, he really just knows how to fire the ball up when it's in his hands. And I could see him not being able to match the collective IQ that Miami has for that reason, you know, maybe Bruce Brown might be a better option just to try to match that. But I think the combination of, of Jokic and Murray, I think, you know, between KCP, Christian Brown's probably going to have a, a, a decent role this series in terms of just a body to throw at Jimmy Butler. Um, the Nuggets have enough to slow Miami down. And I really don't like these playoffs have just, I don't think the Nuggets offense is stoppable. Um, yeah. I don't think that you can, you can't stop Jokic one-on-one. Uh, if you let him go one-on-one, he's he's going to torch you. So you have to double him or do something to get the ball out of his hands. And when you do, he's going to make the the easy pass. And when you throw in that Jamal Murray is, you know, doing something between a, a Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard impersonation in these playoffs, um, maybe even closer to a Damian Lillard impersonation. Uh, I can't believe you just gave Donovan that much love. Well, I said somewhere between, you know, okay. so it's like a, a B minus and an, an A plus. But uh, yeah, I just don't think Denver's offense is stoppable. And I don't think Miami 
is a good enough offensive team to be able to to hang with them, that their defense will be able to slow Denver down enough that their offense will be able to, to match them. So look, I could be very wrong. I've picked against Miami in every single series they've played these playoffs, and I've been wrong every single time. I lean more towards a shorter Nuggets series than a longer one. Like I think Nuggets in five is more likely than Nuggets in seven, but I'll say Nuggets in six because I truly think that Spolstra can just the combination of Spolstra and Jimmy can just pull two wins out that seem completely unfathomable, whether it's a game one where the Nuggets aren't quite ready for the stage or, you know, whenever they come back to Miami and they just catch lightning in a bottle. The only thing we know for sure is that Spo has had his eye on this matchup and he has something planned for the Jokic question. And we might have just reached a point in Jokic's evolution where it's it's too much. Um, and they're just there and Spo just doesn't have the tools to stop this this absolute offensive planet. But expect something crazy, whether it's like a box and one where Bam is just chasing Jokic around the floor um, or like a one three one. And they're trying to funnel the ball into the corners, like places that Jokic doesn't typically operate. We know that that Spo is going to go full mad scientist if the heat if the heat lose the finals. They'll, they're going to go down trying some crazy shit to slow down the best offense in the league. If Spo can't find a way to slow down Jokic, I don't think there's anyone who can. It's Bam, like you said, Bam won't be able to do it alone. Um, so they're going to have to build a wall somehow, some way. But hey, we'd be fools to, you know, say the Heat have no chance. But it really, this the Nuggets really do look like a title team. It looks like it's just their time and... I mean, that was a really good Lakers team and a really good Suns team. And they they dispatched both. Yeah. And and so there's there's a good chance that we look back in a couple of weeks at this Denver team and say, like, hey, this is like a really an, maybe an all-time great offense and 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 with an all-time great player at its core and a really, really clutch number two guy. But hey, tonight is about the Miami Heat. Tonight, if you are a small market team, if you are a team who's been down in the dumps, just know like you are a coach away. You are a culture away. Even going into the playoffs with an eight seed, you can figure it out. And you know what? There's a lot to be hopeful for in the NBA. Yeah. The small market Knicks. There's a lot to be hopeful for in the NBA. Yeah. The small market Knicks.